There, I got it in. Mm. Oh, that's what he said. Did we already start? Oh, I just started recording. I'm ready. To, I'm ready to start. I got jokes. I got gags. I got things. What people don't realize is we are the number one white hosted podcast that makes jokes about an assassinated civil rights leader. Number one in the country. Proven. That does this. There is no other. True fact. White hosted podcast that's going to get the same amount of quality laughs out of you, the American people, when it comes to specifically the assassination of the most famous civil rights leader that has ever lived. That's our guarantee, promise, CSM, guarantee, seal, stamp, USDA, FDA, all of them, all of them. And which one of those were involved in the assassination of Martin Luther King? That's what I want to know. Which one of these government, I got so much cloak and dagger, spooky shit. If this isn't the scariest episode you've heard from us, I don't know what to do for you. I really don't. This is scarier Hi. than Aliens. This is scarier than the other Alien story. Not as scary as the guy that just like shot that lady in the face on the highway. That was pretty that's, scary. That's, that's Thanks, Dulce. That's, that's still pretty fucking scary. Scarier than any of the devil creepy ones. This shit is, because this is um the most real one. This is the most real. And, it, yeah. and I have so much information. You know, it's almost like, the the whole episode is really about the collection of information and then using that information to do stuff. Who knows? Who knows? I was hoping you would. Yeah. Great. Good. Good. And just at the top of this, because it, it is prevalent to what we're talking about, I just want to say, I ain't afraid of no ghost. You know, I'm sorry. That's Ray Parker Jr. That's not James Earl Ray. Okay. I got that confused. Oh, I know what it is. Oh, we're talking about Luke, I am your father. Yep. Nope. This is CNN. That's Edward James Olmos. No, <laughs> no that's James Earl no. Jones. Parker Jr. We're d- talking about David Parker Ray. No, that's the toy box killer. Oof. No. Um, who are we talking about today? We're talking about James Earl Ray. Blech. Gross. Yeah. Yeah, what a winner this guy is. Did not, I'll tell you right now, he did not kill MLK, but he was a giant piece of shit his entire life. And he comes from pieces of shit. Yes. This is just two pieces of shit and they glommed together and they made nine other pieces of shit. And one of those pieces of shit is this piece of shit we're talking about specifically. Well, one of them didn't even get a chance to grow up to be a piece of shit because she died in a fire. We don't know who started that fire. We don't know. They it don't, could have been James Wikipedia Earl Ray. doesn't say. Yeah, it or James, say. or his dad. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Don't don't say Wikipedia. They assume we're going to Wikipedia, but let's pretend oh. that we're like reading books and shit. We're actually reading books. I went yeah. to the library and looked at the microfiche. Hey, that's basically Wikipedia. It's microfiche yeah. that anyone can edit. <laughs> that's the great thing about Wikipedia, <laughs> according to Michael Scott. Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> well. I don't even know if you remember this, but when Wikipedia first started becoming like really big, like really, I think in the forefront somewhere, I'm going to say 2007, 2008, Stephen Colbert, when he was still doing his Stephen Colbert show, the Col- uh, was it Colbert the, Colbert Colbert, the Colbert, the Colbert Report, he started this, this national movement to have people update his Wikipedia and like he got, he got, he, got, he uh, fucked Wikipedia up for like two months because he got all these it. people in there just editing Wikipedia. Uh, it was pretty good. God, I love Stephen Colbert. Yeah, he's a smart guy. He's a very smart man. He's so smart and he's so funny. Yep. Right. Well, right. before we get too far into it, we're Zach Solved Mysteries. Mm. We solve the mysteries that Unsolved Mysteries couldn't 
fucking solve. Or we're told not to solve. Or, yes. And we're just waiting for the men in black to come knocking on our door and telling us to stop solving this shit. That's not funny because they're real too. We, I know. Follow us on social media, ZSM Podcast. Go to Apple Podcasts and give us five stars and leave us a quick review. If you haven't done that and you're a listener, then I don't know what to do with you. I just, I simply do not know what to do with you. I, you're out That's of the me. will. You're out of you're the out will. You're out of the will. We'll turn in our back on you. We were going to give every one of our listeners $100,000 when we die in 2028 which is planned. We have it planned out. We do not want to spoil it. Yeah, Wait? I'll tell you about it later. Yeah, it's okay, fine. Okay, great. <laughs> it's fine. But we're going to, we're making a list. We're checking it twice for all the ones who gave us the five stars, gave us the comments. You're going to get a $100,000 check from us upon our untimely death. But if you're uh-huh. not in there, you're not, you're not going to get the cash. And we have it. Yeah. I'll show it to you. Boom. That was a lot, oh, right? See? That was a ton. And if you were... A- if you're a Patreon, you'd be seeing that on the live you'd be, stream. You'd be salivating over this cash. And you're already in the will. Uh, real quick, top of this, uh, we have a special guest coming in. Oh, good. Yeah, here he is. Because he's he's oh. he's near and dear to the hearts of a lot of people in the civil rights movement. Um, hey. This guy that I'm about to bring on. He's done right. so much for the world. He's brought so much joy, but he's also helped out everyone he can along the way. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is. Hello, everybody. It's me, Bono. Hey. Oh, Bono. April Great. 8th. A shot ring out in the Delta mm-hmm. sky. Free at last. April 4th. But Hello, it's Bono. I've got to go take a shit. So I'll be back. Oh. He's oh, going to do he it. He doesn't have to come back. It's fine. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> well, so tonight... We're discussing episode 12 of season five. A good deal of this episode is about James Earl Ray, the alleged murderer of MLK. Well, he was convicted of the murder, so I guess we can't say alleged, but... He, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to all that. Yeah. Robert Stack. You know who this guy is? He's the host and narrator of the show called Unsolved Mysteries. You better pray to him every day. Oh, I do. Robert Stack says, on the evening before his death, Dr. Martin Luther King delivered one of the most stirring and prophetic speeches of his life. Let's just say of all time, because this was a huge, intense speech. There was this 60s exhibit at, I want to say, the LBJ Museum here in Austin. Oh, well, that's fucking some irony right there. Yeah, right. It was all about the 60s and they had this big screen just playing that speech. And it just gave me chills because especially because, you know, the context. Right. So on the evening before his death, he gives this speech and then he was assassinated. His accused killer, James Earl Ray, pled guilty to the murder. And then the case was officially closed. That's just it. three days. The Open end. and shut. The end. Close got the him. Book. No reason to look into anything else. Yep, we got a confession, folks. Just three days after his conviction, Ray recanted his guilty plea, alleging that he was but a pawn in a wide-ranging conspiracy to kill King. Ray's claims of innocence, however, were dismissed, and the case remained closed. In 1976, eight years after King's death, a select committee of the U.S. House of Representatives was impaneled to reinvestigate the assassinations of Martin Luther King and President John F. Kennedy. The committee concluded that James Earl Ray was the lone assassin of Dr. King. To this day, James Earl Ray maintains that he did not shoot Martin Luther King. 
but the FBI stands by their original finding that Ray was the lone gunman. Now, some researchers claim that new information corroborates Ray's allegations of conspiracy. Based in part on that new information, Walter Fontroy, the chairman of King's subcommittee, is calling for a new investigation and for the immediate public release of the committee's files, currently sealed until the year 2029. Tonight, we will investigate. Nope, tonight, we will examine. I'm just making words up. Both sides of Those this are both complex, real words. You didn't make those words up. You just... They are. Yeah. I'm just adding. Yeah. Yeah. Tonight, we will examine both sides of this complex and controversial case. So the day of the assassination, actually the day before, April 3rd, 1968, Martin Luther King Jr. checks into the Lorraine Hotel preparing for a march in support of striking sanitation workers. His presence was widely known. Across from the motel was a rundown building managed by Bessie Brewer. The day after, on April 4th, early morning, April 4th, which is wrong, Bono, because it was about 6 p.m., so it wasn't really morning. According to the government, James Earl Ray, a career criminal, aimed a rifle from a communal bathroom window at King's room. As King stepped out, a fatal shot hit him, and he fell back onto the balcony. Again, according to the government account, Ray fled the scene, dropping his rifle and belongings when he saw a police car. In the reenactment, in they did a very good job in this reenactment. They got this is season five, so they're they're getting they're getting SAG they actors. They're getting some SAG actors in there, getting some real some real deals. They the production value is incredible. The yeah. weapon that they show is an exact model of the weapon used. The thirty odd six, but it was funny the way they did it. Just the, the way they showed him wrapping it up, which is a way you would wrap up something very quickly. Shows him throwing the gun in a box, throwing his uh, overnight bag, which you need when you're an assassin. You need your overnight yeah. bag. You can't have bags under your eyes. You can't look disheveled. You got to look nice, especially right. when you're just trying to walk down the street. But then he's carrying this stuff, and then it just shows him kind of just like leave it, <laughs> you know. And which to me yeah. is fucking preposterous. To me, that is like the first sign that this isn't real. This isn't real. You're just going to leave this stuff right here, right in front of this diner. You know what I mean? It's like right down the street. Mm -hmm. Super, super odd. And the way they did it, the reenactment was just kind of funny. She's like, oh, shit, I'm just going to throw it here. (laughs) And then it was just the walkthrough and they were like, oh, that's good. Actually, that's fine. Yeah. Good job. So police found the rifle and raised items. Ray fled the country, but was caught two months later at Heathrow Airport. He later pled guilty to King's murder, received a 99-year sentence. Ray then claimed he was coerced and that he was a scapegoat for a larger conspiracy. Ray's criminal history was extensive, but really minor. There was no violence. No he violence. He was just petty theft, he robbery. Was just a regular old piece of shit. Just a standard piece of shit. Yeah. yeah. So it kind of makes him an unlikely candidate for this crime. There are doubts about Ray's firearms expertise. Almost none. Uh, and almost none. He was kicked out of the army because he literally wasn't good at it. He couldn't acclimate to the army. He wasn't good at it. He, and he joined the army immediately after World War II. Yes. And he was in there for two years. And they're like, you know what? You kind of suck. In Germany. Get on out of here. Yeah. And MLK was shot with just a single shot. And we are getting a lot of this information from Jim Lazar and Dr. Pepper. His name's Dr. William Pepper, but his name's Dr. Pepper. He's the grandson of the original Dr. Pepper. 
He's burping throughout yeah. this segment. He's just burp. <laughs> it was really yeah. weird. Yeah. yeah. Uh, these were both attorneys for James Earl Ray. So on April 23rd, 1967, a year before King's assassination, James Earl Ray escaped from a Missouri prison where he was serving a 20-year sentence for robbing a grocery store. Many crimes led up to oh, this particular absolutely. crime. Yeah. 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 And he's and he stole, I think, only like 120 bucks from his original store. name's not even Ray. It's Rainier or something like that. His dad wrote a bunch of hot checks in the 20s yeah. and moved to Missouri and changed the name to Ray to hide from the law. This is where this guy fucking comes from. This was his example of how to be a good person. Right. It was <laughs> Ray's father, known by the nickname Speedy. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Passed a bad check in Alton, Illinois, then moved to Ewing, Missouri. Um, yeah, so their name... Oh, oh Reigns. Reigns, that's They what it changed is. their name to Reigns, R-A-Y-N-E-S, to avoid law enforcement. Oh, that's what it was the other way. Okay, great. All right, solved. So yeah, just pe- piece of shit, piece of shit. Yeah, to giving birth to pieces of shit. Yeah. So um, James Earl Ray escapes from this Missouri prison, fleeds, fleeds. That is the past and present tense of flee. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he fled. That's, how, that, that's that when Scooby-Doo does the whole like running in place thing. That's oh, yeah. That's yeah. fleeds. Got it. Thank you. He fled to Chicago, then Montreal using the name Eric Starville Galt. Mm, interesting. Sneaking, sneaking, sneaking criminal connections for fake documents. Ray claims to have met a figure called Raul, mm. who later involved him in various tasks, promising money and travel documents to get him out it's of the country. It's called sheep dipping. God, God, I, I'm chomping at, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit. I'm chomping at the bit. Sorry, keep going. Okay, okay. Sheep dipping. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, he's basically promising him money and ways to get out of the country. And Ray wanted to go to apartheid Africa or somewhere where it was like white, white ruling. only. And 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 he was a supporter of of Alabama Governor Wallace's presidential bid in 1968. Right. He was a fan of separatism. So what sheep dipping? So basically, just real quick sidebar, and I'll get into it later. So the CIA or whoever right? Intelligence community folks, you know, secret shadowy people. They don't like to do things themselves, much like, you know, like a drug kingpin or the mob. Like you don't, you know, the dirt doesn't touch you. It's like layers away from you. So what they will do is they will look for these fucking moron career criminals and they will pose as another sort of shadowy criminal person and they'll get them to start doing stuff. And basically they're subvertly training this person into doing basically whatever they ask them to do. Whether it's for money, whether the person just likes the juice, they look for people like James Earl Ray and they don't just say, hey, here's a gun, go assassinate this person. They say, hey, go do this little thing. Oh, go do this little thing. Oh, I'm going to meet you in this city and we're going to do this little thing. And then it's just these little pieces here and here and there, here and there, trying to see what is what will this person not do? What will this person do? Can I get them to, to, to compromise themselves in just the right way? It happens all the time. Mm-hmm. They were definitely doing it a ton in the 50s and 60s. To me, it's it's obvious if Raul even exists, like that's what was happening here. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Well, and even one of his uh, attorneys say that he was being strung along. I think it was Pepper because yeah. Pepper firmly believes that Raul existed because Pepper is at the time of this 
interview is James Earl Ray's right, attorney. But he, before he was James Earl Ray's attorney, he he was yes, an advisor he was a friend. and friend. He's a legal mm-hmm. advisor and friend to Martin Luther King and the King family. And to this day, the King family does not think James Earl Ray pulled that trigger. Right. Now, yep. whether Pepper is, is leading them to think that or, you know, who knows? You cannot trust no. anyone in this story. Everyone has an agenda. Everyone has a thing they want to get done. Everything, all of it. Fuck. You can trust Robert Stack, though. Always. Always of trust him the stack. Yeah. So Raul is promising Ray all these fake documents and, and money. So he's just stringing them along. So Ray, um, so Raul gave him $2,000 to buy a car. Ray buys a white 1966 Mustang, brand new Mustang, sweet cherry ride. And mm. they engaged smuggling activities together. Ray purchased guns as part of this scheme. And then on April 3rd, 1968, the day before MLK was assassinated, he hands a rifle to Raul at a motel. The next day, under Raul's instructions... Ray rents a room near the Lorraine Motel, but he claims he was unaware of King's shooting at 6 p.m. Ray left the scene due to his fugitive status. Remember, he's on the run from the law because he's an escaped prisoner. He evades police, eventually leaves Memphis. So this man just killed the most prominent black person on the planet, little alone the United the States, government. little alone in the middle of the Deep South. And then just gets to Canada and then flies to the UK? That seems incredible to me. Incredibly convenient. He had a fake passport. Yeah, but... He had two well, fake sure, passports. But you're talking about traveling from Memphis to Canada in that same day is a manhunt happening for you. And you can just go to Canada and then you can just... What the fuck? What the fuck? So two eyewitnesses see somebody running from the bushes after the shooting that leads some question to the source of the shot. A gentleman named Charles Stevens, who's one of these eyewitnesses, but his credibility is doubtful because he was drunk. Very drunk. Apparently, like yeah. all the time. Like, I mean, he's renting wasted. a room. From this Bessie. is a flop house for all intents and purposes. Yeah. This is, you know, you can't mm-hmm. get an apartment. You're in town, you're transient. Like the, you're not in a good place if you're staying in this woman's, what, tenement house, basically. Basically, yeah. yeah. Despite inconsistencies, like no fingerprints, authorities assert Ray's guilt based on the rifle's connection to him, his actions, and his explanations. People who believe James Earl Ray's story, which changes multiple times throughout, by the way, there's a lingering question, why did he plead guilty if he was actually innocent? Ray alleges he was coerced by his attorney who sought exclusive rights to Ray's story. That's fact. That's um, that's true. Yeah. Yes. That that his attorney talked him into pleading guilty because the, the whole the attorney came to him because you know, James Earl Ray's not a he's not a smart man. Yeah, well, most career criminals are. So the attorney's like, look, if you don't plead guilty right now, you're going to get the death penalty. What Ray didn't realize is the year before the death penalty had been abolished in the United States, specifically about the state of Georgia, killed somebody in a very terrible way. And then that's when they, so it was, there was no death penalty in federally in the United States. There wasn't a death penalty. He would never have gotten death. So this guy did. Ray went through several attorneys. His first three attorneys all fucked him over in one way or another. They all saw, they all saw a story or a way to get money out of this fucking guy. Mm -hmm. 
So Ray alleges the coercion by his attorney. Ray's claims of a conspiracy centered on this mysterious figure, Raul. And then some, like FBI Special Agent Hester, one of the many dudes we speak to throughout this segment, found no evidence to support these claims. Of course. In 1975, defense investigator Harold Weisberg discovered evidence that Ray had connections with a man named J.C. Hardin before the assassination. So Weisberg sees this as proof of a conspiracy. You only need more than one person for there to be a conspiracy. The possibility that Hardin and Raul were the same person remains an open lead, considering the timing of their interactions. The FBI initially created a sketch of Hardin based on a hotel manager's description, but then dropped the investigation once Ray was arrested, because, of course, I wouldn't you. Fontroy and others expressed a desire to interrogate both Hardin and Ray for a more comprehensive understanding of the case. Ray has neither confirmed nor denied the identities of J.C. Hardin and Raul, Differing opinions persist. Some believe in a broader conspiracy, while others argue that Ray was a patsy manipulated into his role. Sounds familiar. Right. Many lament the lack of a thorough conspiracy conspiracy investigation by the FBI, which focused on the shooter, but left unanswered questions about King's assassination. And then James Earl Ray died in the late 90s from liver failure. So uh, sir, while serving a 99-year sentence, actually, he did... Escape again in 1977. Uh, at one point for, in 77, hidden a truck. Yeah, and they caught him, and then just tacked on another year to his sentence. So he was serving a full-on 100 years. Zach, <laughs> are you fucking ready for this shit? I'm about to fucking Think jazz so. him in your ear holes. Are you guys ready? Yeah, I'm swelling up. Thanks for warning yep. us. Here we go. All right, let's uh, let's take things back a little bit. First, I'm going to introduce just the sassiest little bitch to ever strap on a pair of stilettos and walk around in his mother's robe. J. Edgar, J. I'm a fucking piece of shit Hoover. Fuck him forever. Mm-hmm. He was one of the worst people to have ever lived. And the fact that he was basically in charge of the Justice Department for 55 fucking years is set America back centuries. I'll say it, centuries. We should be in flying cars talking to each other with our brains right now. J. Edgar Hoover, you know, obviously hated communists, but this guy loved to listen to Americans. And in the late 50s, he started listening. He was already listening to communists, but he started listening to hippies and he started listening to any black power movement, any civil rights movement. He's listening in on them. He started recording Martin Luther King in 19 fucking 60. In 1960, he was tapping their phones, tapping everybody's fucking phones. Now, this is called COINTELPRO. This is a thing that happened. It is real. And it happened from 1956 until the motherfucker died. So they say it ended Mm. in 1971. I don't even think it's ended now. I really don't. They still listen to us. They're listening to this. As insignificant as this is, the NSA, Edward. They need to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. They do, honestly. Hey, if you're listening, all all the different alphabet brothers out there, go ahead. You can say it. Just say it. Just like give us a review. Be like, I found this very informative and we're coming to get you. Five stars. Anyway, so COINTELPRO is basically (laughs) counterintelligence program. But it's not just listening. It's subversion. It's diversion. Not only are they listening to Martin Luther King and all of these other people, they're also running all these smear campaigns. So 
in the recordings, and this is fact, people around MLK have come out. He got around, we'll say. He had a he, okay. he had many oh, yeah. he was, extramarital affairs. Oh, yeah. Hey, look, he's a he was a very yeah. he was a handsome man, probably swinging something sweet down there. You know what I mean? A lot of people around if you. The rumors are not true. Not everybody's perfect, and you know if you just got a bunch of. He was a pastor. I yeah, mean, better pass her ass over here. I'm ready for. You know what uh, I mean? Yeah, know you know what, what I'm saying? saying? Yeah. Any, anywho, <laughs> so in, in 1964, Martin Luther King got the fucking Nobel Peace Prize. And this pissed off J. Edgar Hoover so fucking much he couldn't stand it. So he stepped, ramped everything up, all of it. So, so J. Edgar Hoover's super, super, super fucking pissed off. And this guy will do anything to save America. So he starts off by saying, well, he's he's a fraud because he's fucking all these women. And then he says, well, also, your organization is filled with communists, specifically a guy named Levinson, who was a Jewish American attorney and businessman that had been helping King since the 50s. And he might have had some communist ties in the 30s, but there's not a lot of communism. Even, even Martin Luther King himself came out and said, look, if, if you thought that all these black movements were filled with communists, wouldn't you think we'd all be communists? But we're not. We're some of the most patriotic Americans you'll ever meet. And he's like, honestly, doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> Communism sounds good, but we know that it, you know it's just not going to work. We want to be Americans. We're here in America. We don't believe in communism. Uh, MLK also didn't believe when his advisors would tell him, hey, not only are they listening to you, not only do they think that there's communists in here, but definitely there are straight up not undercovers, but there you have informants in your midst. One of them is a guy named Ernest Weathers. Ernest Weathers was the photographer for MLK and was a deep FBI undercover informant for 18 fucking years. For 18 years. That's just one of them. So now they have these informants. Point is, James Earl Ray might not have known when exactly Martin Luther King was going to step out on the balcony. But somebody or many somebodies absolutely knew or even fucking told Martin Luther King to be on that balcony at 6 fucking p.m. What was Jesse Jackson doing up there? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dr. Jackson. <laughs> he was there. He got very he prominent after the fact. It's honestly, MLK dying he was did. good for his oh. bank account. Let's say um, that is a wild accusation that I'm sure if more people, especially people of color, listen to, I we would get very much in trouble. Uh, donate it out. Maybe, maybe make it go deeper, and we'll pretend it was Bono saying it, but his voice was. Masked. Oh, okay. We'll edit that in there. Yeah, we'll we'll fix it. We'll fix it in post. So with all of this going on, now we're getting back to James Earl Ray. So. James Earl Ray escapes prison in 1967. That's a fact. Go Chicago. That's a fact. What yeah. we don't know is a fact is who's Raul? Was there a Raul? What's Raul doing? Well, let's look at Montreal. Ra right. Raul is in Montreal. Supposedly, James Earl Ray is doing the smuggling operation. This is fucking the beginning of sheep dipping. This is obvious to me if Raul existed. Mm -hmm. So in other research I've done, Raul supposedly was a light-skinned, blonde Cuban, which can happen. I guess. Yeah. So what do we know about the 50s? The CIA, once again, they took a lot of Cuban nationals to fight against Fidel Castro. But once Bay of Pigs is over, right? Once Kennedy is out of the fucking way, it's kind of odd. We stopped really looking at Cuba too much. But you got all these Cuban spooks in the United States with fucking fuck all to do. So they either go to work 
for the CIA or they go to work for other people that are within intelligence communities but aren't exactly attached to the government. So Montreal, a whole lot of MK Ultra experience were happening in Montreal. A whole lot of them. CIA is, is not just in the United States, obviously, but... In Montreal. Yeah, in Montreal. No, Canada did a, had a lot. Uh, they basically farmed out a lot of MK Ultra stuff to Canadian psychiatric hospitals because in Canada, you could get away with it at the time. Anyway, I think Ravenscroft, yeah. I think was the one in Montreal. Uh, anyway, whether Raul had anything to do with it, there is a presence there. And so basically... They're telling Raul, and this is all conjecture now, like we need to find somebody to do a thing. Maybe let's get somebody going. Let's get somebody into the washing machine. Let's get them scrambled. Let's get them working. And let's see, let's see what we can do with this individual. So he meets Raul and he's like, I need papers. Well, supposedly Raul could just fucking get papers. They're already smuggling yeah. stuff across international borders. And he's like, this guy's just willing to do, I just met this fucking guy in a bar. So now Raul's got this guy and you look, if there's a timeline, there is another Cointel Pro thing happening. We all know if we look at 9-11, the FBI and the CIA don't like to talk. They, as a matter of fact, it's been a pissing contest since the fucking beginning. Since the CIA existed, it's been a pissing contest. But maybe sometimes they do like to rub wieners in the back alleys, in the back rooms. Maybe sometimes they work uh -huh. together. So in 1967, weirdly enough, the CIA has its own version of Cointel Pro on domestic terrorism spying, Project MH Chaos, doing exactly the same thing that the CIA is doing. Theirs is more about disinformation, uh, seeding disloyalty amongst different groups, cracking groups. The FBI, also within this time, they're heavily investigating the Ku 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 Those fucking, you know, those okay, fuck, okay. I don't need to say their stupid ass name. The pointy hat, yeah. white fucking. Yeah, yeah fuck them. Uh, yeah. Thank you. I was going to say trilobites. No problem. But I think that's a fish. Yeah. I think those are the bad guys in Hellraiser. No, those are the Cenobites. I know them. We hang out. Anyway, so oh. Operation uh, Operation MH Chaos is going on once again. So maybe they need somebody to do some intel. So maybe the Ku Klux Klan is thinking about doing something. Maybe because they definitely have an FBI informants within the Ku Klux Klan as well, FBI gets this word. And they're like, well, what can we do? What can we do? What shell game can we fucking run here? So the FBI, with their information from the KKK about something they might want to be doing, but they can't really get it figured out. The FBI says, hey, I know somebody over here at the CIA who's doing this other fucking thing, and they've got this fucking idiot. That'll go to Mexico. He'll go to Alabama and California in the same week. He'll buy all the fucking guns for all the fucking people. He's stealing stuff. This guy, we got our guy, Raul. He's got this fucking idiot. Does he shoot? No, he doesn't need to shoot. We're going to have shooters fucking everywhere because nobody knows when MLK is going to be on that, on that porch or on that balcony, except fucking everybody does shit gets out. I think that's the KKK is like, this is our time. And I think there was some people are like, you know what? We like what you're doing. Here's a better way to do it. And we, you know, we can all just skate along, keep going. Because if you look at it after the fact, the FBI did a, did a lengthy investigation, but only into the murder, never into any, they didn't look at any conspiracy stuff at all. Even though we right. had just gone through this five years earlier with Kennedy. It's obvious to me that it is a cover up. I we talked about this during the Kennedy thing. I don't. I I really think Kennedy's murder is an accident, and they everybody just the government. Robert Kennedy. J, oh, JFK. JFK. Oh, you're talking about JFK. We, yeah, was it an was accident, an accident, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. But 
Because of the hungover secret yeah. service. But yeah. let's say it wasn't, and it was an assassination within the government, mob, whatever bullshit. In that theory, there are eight shooters and everybody's looking for the exact right time. And then as soon as the right person sees the right one, it's just so you don't miss him. They're going to do that same scenario in Memphis. He's here. We know he's at this hotel. We're going to put our shooters and then whoever can get the shot takes the shot, right? It's the same thing. So back to the two people in the bushes. I think that's probably, probably viable. I think that's a much easier assassination to pull off than the one in Dealey Plaza for uh, JFK um, because it's it's not wide yeah. open. He's in like a courtyard, you know, shots ring out. You see a white man running down the street with a rifle, unless you're a black person or someone that is um, within the community that that is that is with the civil rights movement, are you really going to say shit? You know what I mean? Or are you just going to, you're just going to let it keep going, you know, because the racism in the South was real. And there were people that were happy that Martin Luther King was assassinated, happy about it. So I think that, yeah, I think there, back then people would keep their mouths shut. If there was some redneck involvement, um, there was this gentleman, Lloyd, Lloyd Jonas, right? Lloyd, so this guy, he, Lloyd, he admitted to it. He yeah. admitted to, to, and in a civil court, Jowers, Jowers, Lloyd Jowers, um, he came out in the nineties and said, Hey, there was a conspiracy between the mafia, which would sort of make sense because of the sanitation workers strike. And if anything, the only thing the mafia still controls the United States is sanitation. They lost everything else, but they still straight up, they're still in charge of sanitation. Not trucking? Maybe trucking, but they're definitely sanitation is like their last real stronghold, <laughs> right? So yeah. that that would make a little sense. Uh, but they took it to civil trial and he was not convicted because it was a civil trial. So they they awarded they awarded the King family, I think like ten million dollars. They took a hundred bucks. They took a hundred. Oh, I thought they. I, t- the court, I thought they. I thought the civil suit was just for a hundred. Okay, it was. I think it was a symbolic. They, I thing. think. Okay. I think it was ten million dollars in the suit, and they're like, "Well, we just want a hundred bucks. We we're not in oh. for the money." So okay. there is something to that, though. Just like with OJ Simpson, he 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 wins in court, then loses that civil trial. There's something to that. That definitely went in front of a jury and a bunch of people that probably can think pretty objectively. That if the King family doesn't think it's Ray, I think this was just another in a line of assassinations that the United States government on the orders of J. Edgar Hoover himself. And I think if I were to extend it a little further, uh, I think LBJ, God, there's a lot of acronyms here. They just did not like saying all these names in the 60s. I think LBJ, if he didn't outright sanction it, I think he knew about it and just like was like whatever it Anyway, blah, blah, blah. I could go on and on. But, the, you know, there's other stories and there's a really good one at the end that you're just, you're just going to love. Um, but, um, All right. yeah, I want to bring Bono back. I'm not bringing Bono back. Uh, yeah, I think I, I solved you. it. Um, the FBI in a, in a co-production with the CIA and probably some fucking moron Klansmen pulled off an American tragedy of the century. I put it, I, I put the assassination of Martin Luther King up there with 9-11. I do. I think it set American black people back by a good 10 years and just being, because yeah. the civil rights 
crumbled. Certainly, there were many other leaders and many other people doing many great things, but your cornerstone. Well, they got killed too. Right. Well, not as much. Robert Kennedy. Well, yeah, you find in the you find in the seventies. Yeah. That's when you get your Al Sharptons and your fucking Jesse Jackson. Say what you like about those gentlemen. uh, Yeah. Problematic. (laughs) I'm not even making a joke. I think besides slavery and the Jim Crow South and segregation, it's the worst thing that happened to the black community in the United States. The powers that be set out to do a job and they did it. They did it because if you don't agree that the continued subjugation of the black community and how they have been, been imprisoned inside of an inner city, if you don't believe that that is 100% purposely constructed, and if you don't think that one of the bricks in that wall was the assassination of MLK, then I don't know, I don't know, I can't be friends with you. Because that's mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. the truth. Systematically. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's Disgusting. fucking wild. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) I know this is a comedy podcast, but like the government did that. They don't care about you. They've never cared about you. Well, we know that. And I'm just every day, thank my lucky stars that I'm a middle-aged white man. And I'm not, I'm halfway joking Mm -hmm. because like shit's easy for me. And I really believe if I was in any other demographic, it would be much harder on me to live. Well, next we have a Lost Loves. Lost Loves. And this might seem a little familiar. I have one note. I have one note. You have one note. Yeah. Well, this is a Lost Loves that we actually spoke about in episode six. It was actually our 666 episode. It was our episode six. It was season six, episode six of Unsolved Mysteries. Holy shit. You think I'd remember something as monumentous as that, but I don't. It was, yeah, wow. Okay, so this is like a new story yeah, to you. That's I, right. I've never seen these people in my life. I figured that's why you had the one note. You don't remember the guy needing a note from his wife to enlist? Yeah, but I thought that, okay. I thought that was just a thing. I thought it was a different story altogether. <laughs> it just yeah, happened again. I figured that was a common no, thing. So oh, this episode, is the other end? This is the, holy. Right. Whoa. This is the first part. Yes. And we get more information this time, which is great because before I was like, what the what? <laughs> because in the episode six, that one aired in October of 93. And so this was what, December of 92. So this is like a year, almost a year beforehand. So that was the update. And then they update this episode because they always would go back and update it. So as a refresher, Stack is telling us all about World War II. He loves talking about World War II and how wonderful it was for everybody. He says in 1943, the outcome of World War II hung in the balance as the U.S. and Allied forces launched an all-out assault on the German and Italian strongholds in North Africa. Oh, no, they're going to come and kill us. <laughs> I can't do a German accent as good. <laughs> oh, no, it's good. No, they're going to come, come kill us, Werner. Werner. <laughs> Vera, the Americans are going to come kill us, man. Hey, man, don't kill us. Hey, Hey, man. After after months of fierce combat and thousands of allied casualties, enemy resistance finally collapsed. But during the summer and fall, sporadic fighting continued to claim American lives. One of those killed in action was Army Private Harry A. Young from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He left behind a wife and two sons. 37 years later, Harry Young would become the focal point of an unsolved mystery. That's the name of the show. (laughs) When his son and granddaughter came across an obituary while researching their family history. 
The information in the death notice seemed all wrong, as if it had been written for a completely different person. Completely different. This is all wrong. What part? All this is wrong. No, that's what they're saying when they're reading oh, right. it on the microfiche. <laughs> Entering into a reenactment. Yeah, always. You never know with me. <laughs> this is all wrong. This is all wrong. Al- <laughs> it's very Trumpish the way yeah. you kind of did yeah. that. Wrong. <laughs> wrong. Mm. Fuck that guy. Ugh, I'm so. I wish we didn't have to think asshole. or talk about him ever. It sucks. Oh, you know, I know, I know. Albert Young and his daughter come across this obituary. It mentions a baby girl named Kathleen Mary, whom they've never heard of. So Albert investigates further discovers that Harry Young had two wives, Laura and Estella. Estella had a daughter, Kathleen Mary, with Harry. I'm not going to do it. Estella. You, oh, I'm not going to do it. Oh, Estella. Estella! You did it. I did it. Yeah, you did it. Yeah. So Laura has to prove her lawful marriage to get his benefits when Harry dies in the war because... Harry was a piece of shit. So yeah, there was, it's funny. Cause Harry I remember we talked to giant piece a, of shit. He goes to his wife and he's like, I want to join the army. Please, 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 please sign my permission slip, please. And she says, no, I've got two kids. I need your help and blah, blah, blah. But and he's they'll like, just, they'll let you kill fine. people. I can stab people with a knife. I can pull like, them up. He's like, I'll be back in two years. Two years It'll tops. be nothing. She's like, you just did six She's years like, in the Marines, you fucking dickhead. Right. He's like, yeah, but I don't like you. So I want to get away yeah. from you, but I can't divorce you because of Jesus. Because so. of Jesus, because of the 40s. So yeah. instead he took another wife, that quote unquote wife, that he didn't actually marry. No, they he lived had a baby as man with and her. wife. Just as good. They lived as man and wife. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And so I remember in the previous episode, because I was like, how did he do this? Because he ends up leaving Laura, doesn't realize she's pregnant with their second child, never comes back. He enlists. I was like, how did he get in? He, in this episode, we see he has Estella sign and he says, well, my wife's supposed to sign it, but you're basically my wife. And he like pinches her chin. Uh, so gross. He's such a piece of shit. Yeah. Fuck you, Harry. Yeah, when it shows him, when he gets all pissed off, when the Laura, right? I get him, Estella, yeah. Laura, when she doesn't sign it, yeah. he gets pissed off. And just the way it shows him, like, just the way he's walking down the street, ah, throws his yes! jacket on, he's like, fuck this bitch. Yes, Estella. I remember thinking that when I was watching it. He's yeah. just like, that's the walk of a man who doesn't give a fuck. Doesn't he doesn't, fuck. he can do whatever he wants. He's just pissed off he didn't get Ugh. his way and he's going to go find a way to get his way. And looks like yeah. he got his way all the way. I would like to think like... All the way to the funeral I think home. maybe it was one of those where it's like, they're out in the bush out there and they're like, this fucking guy sucks, right? <laughs> he wants to start talking about his two wives. Let's fucking cut his throat and say a German did it. Let's, let's do it. Yeah. Remember what we did yeah. to the other guy? Like, I was fine. Who cares? This guy sucks. Let's do it. Let's just go do it. <laughs> so what happened to him in the war? He was cut up a bunch and kicked... And then they threw dicks all over his face. <laughs> he was the first to fall asleep. And they said, this guy sucks with an arrow pointed all over him. <laughs> it was all in perfect English. It's crazy. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, they did put some umlauts over some stuff. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah to, 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 to like hide. What do Germans, Germans do? Oh, they do the dots. Yeah, they do a dots the over the U's. This guy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. This guy sucks. Hey, man. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> I don't know. Why Techno didn't even exist. Yeah. Then. <laughs> yeah. 
So Estella writes a letter to Harry's parents to reveal her, her love and existence of their daughter, her love for their son and the existence of their, of their daughter, Kathleen, which is Harry's granddaughter. Right. And they're like, fuck you, <laughs> cunt. And, uh, so Laura, she has to battle for benefits. It's a whole thing. So that's so, my one note was the, v- yes, the VA has always sucked. The VA sucks uh, now. It's terrible. A lot of veterans are not getting a lot of support. It's been that way the whole time. They've never, you know, they came up with the VA after World War One. We're like, oh man, we really fucked up like a whole generation of men. Uh, we got to do, yeah. we got to do something. They have shell shock, you know, from seeing all the dead bodies, you know, writhing in pain and their final jerks of life from mustard gas after being shot. They have shell shock. So we'll start the VA. Yeah, PTSD. And then we'll help them out a little bit. We'll see. We'll see. Oh, wait, we're not going to pay a bunch of them. Oh, right. And they're going right. to riot in DC. Oh, right. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. They, your government doesn't fucking care about you, man. They never no, fucking they did. Yeah. Sorry. They really don't. Yeah. No. Yeah. And then they, they go to raise an entire fucked up generation as yeah. well, because when you are shell shocked and PTSD and unable to get yeah. therapy and help and everything like that, you're going to raise some fucked up kids. And then, you, and then they went to war. And then you, then you got this guy who's just getting wives then everywhere. He's guy. got kids. He's getting yeah. murdered by his own troops over overseas. He's got dicks drawn over him. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck this guy. So Kathleen Mary grows up with little knowledge, I think no knowledge, of her half-brothers, Albert and Jim. So Kathleen Young hyphen Alberti, because she's a modern woman, she hears her name on television on Unsolved Mysteries. That's my name. And that's my name. I think you said that last time too. I can't believe you don't remember this episode. No. no. It was only, what's 18 minus six? 12 six, episodes ago. Two, two kinds of six. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Because three <laughs> times six is 18. We're doing it. This is why we speak gotta, for a living. We're not mathers. <laughs> Yeah, I got a bachelor's of arts, not sciences, okay? So, uh, and I'm not using it. So um, she hears her name on the television, realizes that she has half-brothers, and she's so excited. She contacts Albert and Jim, learns all about her family history. She meets her half-brothers for the first time. It's this beautiful reunion. And this is where the brother, the half-brother, says, oh, once she stepped out of the car, I immediately knew that she was a young. I remembered that from the first one because he could just tell that, he could he just was, tell. that she was family. Yep. You could just see it. Yeah. So they lived happily ever after. It's a beautiful. After 50 a, years apart. It's a beautiful Philadelphia tale. They were like, do you have a daughter and live in Conshohocken? How is it pronounced? Conshohocken. She's like, no. Okay. So I was, <laughs> so fun fact, whenever I watch the episode, if it's not the first time, if I'm taking notes or watching it again before we record, you can watch on YouTube. You can watch it on like 1.75 speed. Oh, wow. Which is, adds a whole new layer of, of entertainment Tonight, to it. Like, aliens. Right? And there are times where, sh- where Shaq, where Shaq, where Stack <laughs> is still... So <laughs> <laughs> tonight, we're going to solve mysteries. <laughs> so you're going to get murdered. <sighs> so you're going to get murdered. <sighs> uh, Shaquille, wake up. I wasn't asleep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Super. Maybe you. 
could solve these mysteries. <laughs> Icy hot. <laughs> I'm gonna stop this. This is bad. This is hack. <laughs> we just. This is hack. We were ending racism and then. <laughs> yep. Right back. Just 180. It's just funny, okay? Even Chappelle says it. If Chappelle says racism's <laughs> funny, then he's the Martin Luther King of fucked up comedians. Uh, wanted. <sighs> On a very special Unsolved Mysteries. A very. Uh, you know? Yeah. I was watching Unsolved Mysteries before it was cool to watch Unsolved Mysteries. Got a special guest here tonight. And it's not Bono. No, it's not Bono. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not Bono. It's not Bono. It's not Bono. I don't, I don't know. That's how he sounds to me in my head. Hello, I'm Bono. <laughs> hey, Bono. He sounds more like somebody from Family Guy. Bono. Than ba- oh, Bono. no. Get the fuck out of here, Bono. <laughs> oh, you see hot. The general insurance. <laughs> he does anything. He does it all. He's like, sure. Shaq's uh, anything. To be fair, he is like the nicest human being. Yeah, on the no, planet. Shaq's he'll, awesome. He'll just, he like buys give whole... people a million dollars for no reason. Yeah, yeah, he buys whole neighborhoods for people. It's incredible. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. That's <laughs> do like not do even an exaggeration. I think he no seriously. I yeah. think he just bought like a ro- like a whole street of houses for like a whole. Yeah, he's absolutely yeah. a wonderful human being. Yeah, but so is Adam Sandler, and I can make fun of him too. Yeah. So. <sighs> So Robert Stack talks about Bryan, Texas, which, um, so I went to high school and college station a good 10, 12 years after this. For so, those that don't know, the area is called Bryan College Station. We could be like speaking to international people here that aren't going to know the- I, That's true. You know I'm sure I mean. we are. Well, we do have a Scottish gentleman in the- in Exactly. The, I almost said in the office, but no, yeah. he's in the audience. I mean, he's been here for like 22 he's years, but like, yeah. My office. Certainly he's been to Bryan College Station, maybe with you. Oh, I don't think he- no, definitely not. Oh, okay. No. You should take him to your high school. Show him your high school. Are you guys? It's not. No. No. You could go out to Brenham, go to the ice cream factory in Brenham and get oh, ice cream. Oh, yeah. The, the Blue Bell and yeah. the state hospital. Yeah. I've oh, been there. Yeah. Go get some listeria from the state hospital. Put it in the ice cream. It'll be fun. <laughs> it's already there. The listeria oh. is already in the ice it's cream. Such a, it's such a sultry word for something that'll <laughs> straight up kill you. Listeria. I know. It's, it sounds like a drug that's going to send you on a nice trip, not give you the shits until you die. What? Whoa. Bobby's saying he's this is been a, in Brian Adams. He's been in Brian Adams. And he's Canadian. So we're and like crossing like the country. Yeah. But it feels so right. <laughs> oh, that's what that song's about. That's what about. he's talking about. That's what I, I, I always like, wondered. Summer of 69. Oh. Blah, 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 blah. I fucked my first real Scotsman. Oh, yeah. At the quarter of Birmingham. There you go. <laughs> he had balls so big. I didn't oh, know right. what to do. All right. Mm-hmm. It's about right. So people are about to die. Just. Oh, great. Right. Manage your expectations. Yeah. Well, but can we, before people die, there, you guys know what a thirst trap is? If yeah, Instagram, like an Instagram thing. If Instagram existed in 1980 or whatever, there's a scene where you. So what? We haven't got to it yet. I'm just. Can we just tell him? Can I tell him? Can Do we it. tell him? Matthew McConaughey makes his TV debut right here on Unsolved Mysteries. This is the episode we've all been waiting for. It's like his 
debut debut. We all knew it was here. We all knew this gym. When was it going to come to us? So you have what I'm assuming a 24-year-old McConaughey in the first scene. There he is. He's sashaying. He's mowing. And then he turns that corner. He comes around. I swear to God, it's not slow-mo, but they slow it down a little bit. It feels like slow-mo. And there is his nubile body, right? Yep. Shirt, it looks a little too small. Like even I can't even button these up, Daddy. I gotta leave yeah. it oh. open. <laughs> he literally stops mowing and like wipes the yeah. sweat, like sensually wipes the sweat like down. I yep. swear to God, the first time I saw it, he touched his nipples a little bit. But then I watched it again. I, I was think like, no, he did. That didn't happen. And I definitely oh. didn't get a little bit hard. Look, even Lesbiana has to watch this episode and assume maybe even in the back of her mind that, yeah, it might be nice to see him laying on his back, freshly ejaculated. You know what I mean? Just like kind of dribbling off his stomach a little bit. Well, oh God. Who's not fantasizing about that is my question. High five. Both of me. Two high five. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you weren't weren't high five. You know, she hasn't seen True Detective. Now I as well, had the whole, I was anti-McConaughey for a long time because I was like, ooh, it's a romantic comedy and the, you know, the all right, all right, all right, and whatever. Yeah, he's done like three movies with Goldie Hawn's kid. <laughs> you know what I oh, mean? Oh, right, yeah. right. And he right. can never stand up on the movie poster. He's always like getting pushed up or leaning on something. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a thing. It's, he it's hilarious. T- it's hilarious. He, he, he did this episode and then he was in fucking Days of Confused and then it's 15 years of terrible fucking movies with a couple of gems in there. But when he came out, like he basically reinvented himself with True Detective. Mm. It's still one of my favorite pieces of work that any actor has ever done, ever. It's incredible. For everyone involved in that, but him especially, like he was that. Holy shit. It's so good. Probably one of the best series that season ever. I'm going to watch it right now. I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to stop Let's doing this. Let's just watch 10 hours of True Detective. God. I'm a, I, yeah, it took, me, it took me a long time, but I am a huge Matthew McConaughey fan. The man is talented. He and is. we did the lighting for his wedding. We did the lighting for his wedding. And he is a kind, sweet human being. Remembered everybody's names who worked there, wasn't treating them like help or anything. It's funny. I believe him. I don't always believe celebrities when right. they kind of show themselves. But because we've also seen the bongo playing naked in the Randall's, you know, (laughs) you know, all the wild stories about him. Like, you know, there's two, definitely two sides in, you know, once again, like MLK, nobody, you know, nobody's, nobody's perfect, but I, I believe him. We saw him playing bongos. Yeah. I I believe him. Absolutely. 100%. He is a legitimate human being. Anyway, this is his debut. This is his sexy ass debut. And yeah. um, he does it. He goes for it. This is one of the best reenactments I've ever seen. It's intense. Everybody puts in 100%. It's intense. The car chase is it's, intense. It's intense. Oh, it's all good. The story's terrible. And you wonder. So sad. Is this the worst man that ever lived in America? The, I the think so. perpetrator? God I damn. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, He's bad. Stephanie, now that we've told everyone to to rewatch the show and and masturbate if you have to, I'm not telling you to. Yeah, you I'm not to. going to, but if you got to, it's fine. I mean, you can. But do it really fast because we're about to get to murder. But it's not even, a, it doesn't even start at murder. Like it, there's crimes oh. before no, the murder. No, but we get a <laughs> badass lady here. This, this oh, is yeah. great. So- 
All these ladies are badass. Yeah. They are. There are some badass women in this episode. Bryan, Texas, according to Stack, is a type of place that people have in mind when they dream of escaping the big city. But in September of 1984, the illusion of small town security was shattered for one local couple whom we will call Sue and Bill. We never even talked to Bill. I don't know why Stack even Bill, bothers making a pseudonym. Bill, Bill went to work. He's an automaton. Never came back. He's an NPC. You know what I mean? He Bill, is an NPC. He's, he's just, just like, kind of bouncing around life. He's got a very beautiful, strong woman. And uh, I think Bill... Yes. Bill may be, may be intimidated a bit by... Uh, by well, I I think it's cute in the, in the reenactment. Uh, he's going to work and he's... Yeah. They're obviously very in love and he's kissing her goodbye. And I'm pretty sure he's like grabbing her butt a little bit a little as bit. he's like, I'll see you yeah. later. And never mind, Pete does that. Like whenever he's kissing me or he'll, we're hugging, he'll just pat my butt a little bit. Oh, I okay. constantly Wait. sexually harass my wife. Oh, I love it. Almost constantly. Yeah. Do always sexually harass people you love. Yeah. Only sexually harass the people you love. Right. Romantically involved with. Romantically. Yes. I love a lot of people and I'm not going to touch them. Right, right, right. I love you, Zach, but I'm not going to touch your butt. No. Yeah. No, I'll touch Pete's butt. Oh, yes. He's got a great butt. Do you want Pete and I to touch butts like butt to butt? Like butt to butt? Yeah. I mean, if he's okay with it, I am. Pants on. Yeah. Sorry, trousers. Excuse me. Starting trousers. Yeah. Yeah. Pants and trousers. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) In September of 1984, the illusion of small town security was shattered for one local couple whom we will call Sue and Bill. Sue had always considered herself strong. Sue had always considered herself strong and self-reliant. Yeah, Sue is strong and self-reliant. She's a badass. Don't fuck with Sue. However, the event in September of September 6th would test her character in ways she never imagined. It's a seemingly ordinary morning. Bill takes off, grabs his wife's ass, and drives off to work. Sue's at home getting ready. Her child is there in the house watching Sesame Street. Sue continues her morning routine in the master bedroom. She's standing in front of the mirror brushing her hair, her very long, gorgeous hair. And putting on makeup when this man just shows up in the mirror with a giant hunting knife. Yeah, it's fucking frightening. That was frightening. It's terrifying. I was like, wait, is this a ghost story? Like that guy just fucking appeared. (laughs) He just like steps in. Edward Bell. Edward Bell. Edward Bell. (laughs) (laughs) Candy Bell. Candy Bell. Candy Bell. Candy Bell. Yeah. Uh, But what's incredible is that she just jumps into action. She starts kicking him. She yells at him. She says, get the fuck out. Because she knows her kid is there in the living room. She turns into mama bear on the attack. She goes fucking Wolverine ape shit. The the woman that does this reenactment does really well. She knows how to do stage combat because if you look, Uh she takes her forearm and knocks it into the arm uh, that's holding the knife, which is like what you would do. And then she like slaps this motherfucker. She just starts screaming, get the fuck out of my house. And then what does she do, Stephanie? Then what does this bitch do? She grabs a gun. She gets that gat, son. Yeah, and she starts just shooting at him. She literally just like let ones off in the hallway. She's like, and she's like screaming, I'll kill you. I'll I'll kill you. Kill you. I'll kill you. And I'm watching this. My second viewing of this, I'm like, this is my wife. This is Cecily. This is what Cecily (gasps) would do. Oh my God. Yep. (laughs) Yep. This lady just comes out of the house like John fucking Dillinger bucking shots. Back, 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 (laughs) back, back. Into, into this guy's car, yeah. like neighbors, dogs yeah, are flying. Yeah, she hits like, his car. <laughs> she's like, I could, all I could hear is metal. All I could hear was metal. Right. She was just, 
man, so intense. It was intense. It's so intense and so empowering. So law enforcement shows up, gets her report, starts investigating, but they couldn't determine this person's identity. She, she didn't stop to take a photograph or anything. No, she was straight um, for, set for mur- eyes set for murder. And you know, it's funny. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder if like, I wonder if they could do studies on people. Like, you know, we all have facial recognition and a lot of what the empathy we get from things is, is how their faces is, is looking to us. And I wonder mm-hmm. if when that thing clicks in your mind that sets like, I'm going to take you know, another person's life being, if you're not a a sociopath or, you know, in a murderous rage or whatever, I wonder if there's something in the brain because the brain's a magical thing. I wonder if they could figure out if like all of a sudden you don't see facial features as much when your Mm. brain gets switched to like mama bear murder time, survival mode. I wonder if all of a sudden facial features, the brain is like, Hey, if we tune down the facial features, it'll be Easy peasy. That makes sense. You know, until after the adrenaline wears off and you feel really bad about what you did. But until then, don't show them the eyes or the rosy cheeks. Just show them the teeth. All I want to see is teeth. All right, now kill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, the yeah, the, the brain and the body are an amazing thing. Yeah. I mean, that's why, yeah, when you're stressed out. Because we don't want to kill, we'll, right? Nobody wants to kill. And we're actually set up to not kill. You know, unless you're psychopath. like our brain kind of works for us not to kill ourselves, right. not to kill each other. Like, yeah. Try to drown yourself. You can't, you know, it's kind of how we've proliferated, you know, all over the place. So like mm-hmm. there has to be something to that. I really would think. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So they're obviously unable to identify this intruder and why, I mean, why did this guy just like show up? It was creepy as shit. <laughs> creepy as hell. So this is in 1984. 84. This incident. Right. This incident, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so this is um, September of 84. So in January of 85, so it's a few months later, the Texas governor's office took a step of issuing a list to the states of the state's most wanted criminals, putting their photographs in the newspaper. Edward Bell had the top spot, and Sue sees it, and she shows her husband. She says, that is the man. This is the motherfucker. That's him. That motherfucker I told you I tried to turn his head into a fucking canoe. This is that bitch right there. Let's go get this motherfucker. Now, you may think that this might be his first criminal act. You'd be wrong. He was a fugitive and he had a history of criminal activities dating back to 1969. This includes... He's disgusting. He's a disgusting person. He's a disgusting human being. This includes aggravated rape. In case you aren't sure what that is, that means you're raping somebody with a weapon. With a weapon. Love you, Pete. Have a good night. <laughs> that's what aggra- aggravated me. Sorry. That was yeah. just he's leaving. It has nothing that's, to that do with was a gear, that. was a, gear, a bit of a gear shift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's rape with he a weapon. Love you, Pete. Chat. Anyway, <laughs> weapon rape. And it goes like a knife. There, yeah, that's what the Brian Adams. Yeah. I didn't know he liked Canadians. I'm feeling insecure now. Um, so <laughs> he, he, uh, it's weird. So, yeah, you know what? I want to be a therapist. Yeah. Stephanie, let's explore that. Okay. No, no, I'm joking. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, his, so Edward Bell, his criminal record included heinous acts such as aggravated rape, indecent exposure to children. And Bell had managed to evade capture for an extended period somehow, because it was the fucking 80s. I guess you could do that. That's insane to me that, yeah, yeah you could just like- You could get away for, for, yeah. with it for that long. Yeah. Yeah. So then we learn about what happened with Larry Dickens, aka Matthew McConaughey. The sexiest victim the to sex. ever hit Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was 26 
And he was visiting his family in Pasadena, Texas in the summer of 1978. This is like a prequel. Yeah, prequel. Larry was a former Marine and a youth counselor. And I saw a photo of Larry. And while he's a very good looking young man. Yeah. He's, yeah. He ain't all Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Yeah. They they, uh, married up, as they say. They did. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, and Larry, um, so former Marine youth counselor, the father of a young daughter. He's cutting the lawn for his family, visiting his mother. And this is where he had the sexy Matthew McConaughey shirtless scene. Poor Larry's mother. He's looking out of the kitchen window and she sees a pickup truck pull up outside her house. The driver was a man who seemed agitated and he began to disrobe from the waist down. And there's kids right there playing kickball. Playing kickball, yeah. They're just just running around in the street. Right. So Larry's mother calls the police immediately. So this, let's set the scene. Like it's a creepy, they did a creepy scene. Like it just shows this guy, this kind of fat middle-aged man with no pants. You don't, you don't see the no pants on. She alludes to him not having pants, but he's just lumbering towards these children. It's almost like they told the guy to like, look, we're on network television in the nineties. So you can't like waggle it at him, like waggle it at him. You know, like yeah. slide it in there. Insinuate a waggle. He, 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 this actor insinuates a waggle. <laughs> he uh, there does. was insinuated waggle. Okay, <laughs> it wasn't a full waggle, but you could tell that there was an intention to have a waggle happen. Legally speaking, yeah. I wish Pete I haven't here. seen. I know it's okay. You could tell us if it was, this was a legal waggle. Yeah, we'll we'll console him later. Okay. Um, I haven't seen every single episode of Unsolved Mysteries, but. Out of all the ones I've seen, this reenactment, it's so well done. It's well acted. It's well shot. It looks real. And you feel the panic. You feel the terror. Big time. Yeah. Larry's mother calls the police and she's basically dictating to them what's going on. She says, there's a man, his pants are down. And then her son, Larry, Matthew McConaughey, confronts the man. Well, he comes in, he comes in, he goes, mom, what's going on? Oh, right. Hey, mom, what's going on? No, he doesn't. He doesn't do hey, that mom, yet. He, he, he's on? not there yet. Yeah. But anyway, but he no. looks, he's doing a good job. There's a reason this guy moved yeah. up in the acting world. Right. Like is just as the, the inflection in his faces, do faces inflect? I don't know. He just, The one face. But then yeah. He, and just then he goes, the one he goes face. no, no. And he runs out. He's like, no, not going to let. Yeah. This isn't so he goes out and he confronts this guy. Well, he takes his keys. He takes the he keys. He runs out. He just reaches yeah. in and grabs the guy's keys. So he can't yeah. go anywhere. But this is when this man, who turns out to be Edward Bell, pulls a gun out. He's got multiple guns in his vehicle. Now, he, he first pulls out. Uh, he, hmm? he, put, he puts his pants on. He doesn't. He doesn't pull he the gun. His dick out. Pants on. Which honestly, to me, this shows like he's not. In this you can't plead insanity because an insane person just would have pulled the gun. Dick out. You, right. You don't put right. your pants on when you're insane. Like that doesn't make sense to me. It still didn't make sense. Yeah. But as a crazy person, it definitely doesn't make sense. Right. Uh, but he puts his pants on and then he gets the gun, which shows he's a Christian. Yeah, a Christian yeah. trial molester, yes. Yeah, duh. Um, <laughs> slash murderer, yeah. Duh, again. Right, I mean, that goes hand in hand. Like, you're still yeah. saying the thing. I don't, <laughs> I don't yeah. get what you don't get. <laughs> you're being redundant. Um, so Ed Bell pulls out this pistol. He shoots it in the air and then starts shooting Larry in the gut. Like three times. And it doesn't kill him immediately because Larry keeps fighting back. He chases him into the garage and his mother comes out and Larry won't stop fighting. He won't give him the keys back. The man wants he won't his give keys. him the keys. He won't back. give him the fucking keys. Yeah. He knows the cops are gonna show up and he wants this guy to get arrested. So 
give, I'm sorry. Luckily. Give him, give the man the keys and then describe him to the police. Right. Yeah, sorry. your life is I know. way more valuable. Like, you wouldn't be the hero. I, I will testify in court, but I'm not going to get murdered. If the guy doesn't have a gun, yeah, I'll throw If somebody's wagging a dick at a kid, I will beat him in the face and head. Yeah. But if they have a gun, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm just, I'm not going to get shot over that shit. Like I'll no. chase them off or whatever. As long as I'm not getting shot. Right. Also don't shoot the kids. You know what? You're right. Yeah. I should just carry a gun at all times. Thank you, Stephanie. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> no. no, no, no. I agree with oh, you. Oh God. No. Okay. So Larry, Larry is killed. He dies. Uh, it's so sad because his sister, Donna comes home as Larry's yeah, dying as in the road, happening. she's yeah, as it's happening. She sees uh, she sees Ed Bell walking to his truck, uh, and he kind of stops and looks at her, and she sees his face. Then she runs over to Larry, and this is the saddest thing because Donna talks about how she goes, to, she runs to Larry, she puts his hand on her face, and she watches him die. It's so awful. So Ed it's Bell so sad. goes back. He shoots. He shoots McConaughey. Shoots him right. in the head. Shoots him in the gut. Right, but he's still alive. Yeah. And his mom just lays him down and says, "I'm going to go call an ambulance. Just don't move." We, you know, and the lady, the poor his poor mom, who's talking to yeah. Unsolved Mysteries. You can tell she's strong because she's not really crying too much, but her her voice, yeah. you know, quivers here and there. But she's like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know where the bullets are that are in you, and she's going back in to call the ambulance. Fucking. Eddie Bell there goes and gets a rifle. And so, yeah. you know, um, I, I want to call her McConaughey's mom, but it's not McConaughey's mom. What's her name? Larry's mom. Larry's mom. Dorothy. So she's on the phone saying, oh, now he's got a rifle. So he he shows up, he walks over with the rifle, shoots him one more time. And then that's when the daughter pulls up. The daughter comes up and drives her car and like blocks him off. So he can't yeah. drive forward. And uh, that's when, you know, the super sad scene happens. McConaughey does a good job dying. I, my only critique is they, their blood work wasn't great. You know, the on mom's apron. Yeah, and on him as well. Because when he's getting shot, yeah. like it's not believable. But mm, yeah, you know, they they did the best they could. Yeah. So Donna is tasked with identifying this guy after they arrest him in the back seat of the car because the mom can't do it. She's like, I can't. I can't. Yeah. She's just, of course, just destroyed by the death of her son that she just saw die. That's after one of the greatest chase scenes in Unsolved yes. Mysteries oh, right. history. Yes. So Homegirl Donna, it's D-A-W-N-A, Donna. Oh. Yeah. That's Texas. Realize that. Donna. So after Donna pulls up, Eddie Bell pulls back in a badass Ford F-100. It thing's awesome. Anyway, peels out. Mm-hmm. So he's driving. Well, the cops are already on their way. So boom, cuts to a scene. It's a motorcycle cop followed by a regular cop and a regular cop car. Ed Bell sees him, they pass him, and they recognize that it's the red truck that everybody's looking for. So they haul ass. They're chasing this motherfucker. He goes through a dead end, crashes through a fence, decides, fuck it, I'm stuck in a backyard now. Pulls the rifle out. He's going to gun down this cop. Cop lays the bike down. Bike goes flying. This is awesome. He gets up. The other car pulls around, fucking slams on the brake, gets out. They're bracing themselves behind the cars. And they're like, put it down. He goes to shoot the cop, but it jams. The gun jams. Now, my yeah. thinking is, had he not been, you know, white, wouldn't, why didn't they just gun? 
He's, why didn't they just shoot him? Why didn't him? they just gun this well, fucking he asshole does, down? He does just throw the gun down. Yeah, but before that, I don't know. Yeah, they shot I know. Him. They yeah. should have shot him because this guy's a piece of shit. He's a piece well, of shit. Well, especially because he's released on bail two months later. Two months later, he gets released on how, bail. Open, how maniacal after, homicide, uh, pedophilia, whatever whatever charge yeah, they could have got him. Exposure, exposing, exposing, exposing yourself to, to, to a, a minor. Child. Yeah. To, yeah, like... What the First f- of all, the f- what the, the fact that he was given the opportunity to pay bail and the fact that he could, I all mean, these he liquidated witnesses? his assets. I can't believe the family couldn't go to the judge and be like, hey, judge, what the fuck are you, like, what the fuck? retaliation alone. Yeah. Holy shit. It blew my mind. Texas is wild. Well, I think this guy, I think this guy had friends. Because this guy was a, a he, well, he was he was a semi successful dude, and he he did shady business, and I think he had some pals for sure, you know. And yeah. he's not just a murderer. This guy's a true creep scumbag. Like to do both those crimes together, and then we find out more about this gentleman later that lets you know like he's a sinister person. Oh, yeah, even more. Yeah, yeah, he's awful. Yeah. So Bell's whereabouts remained a mystery because he just he skipped town. Until a tip from a viewer, an Unsolved Mysteries viewer, exposed his presence in Panama. He had been living there for a decade, engaging in various business endeavors, including gold prospecting. With the help of Panama police and the FBI, Bell was apprehended and extradited to the United States. Only the best kind of people get involved in Central American gold prospecting because they're for sure treating their workers to the tip top stage. Standards of employment. Absolutely. Benefits, breaks. No way they're just like involved in just atrocious crimes. And we find out later what other stuff this gentleman might have been involved in. And I have to ask, what was what was he doing in Panama? What was a rich American that was involved already in some underground things that already had a proclivity to do horrible things with children? What do we not know he did in Panama? What the fuck? Well, I've got a little bit of information there. Ooh, I don't know if I want to know it. So after nearly 15 years, Edward Her- Harold Bell was returned to face justice. As he stood trial, Larry's sister and mother were the prosecution's chief witnesses, determined to bring closure to their family and ensure that Bell faced the consequences of his actions. While the wounds of the past would never fully heal, the pursuit of justice offered a glimmer of hope for a grieving family seeking closure. And we get an update at the end of the episode that says Ed Bell was sentenced to 70 years in prison. He is considered a quote-unquote person of interest in the murders of six young girls in the Galveston, Texas area. Jesus Christ. So a little bit more information on that. some update. Ugh. I feel like I'm not going to so like it. the night of... Oh, it's, it's <laughs> not good. On the night of the broadcast... A viewer was watching, recognized that a recent business association associate in Panama City was Ed Bell. And then another anonymous viewer provided pictures and a letter revealing that Bell had lived in Panama for 10 years, prospecting for gold. Bell used a false identity, Cecil Boyd. And he had resided in Mexico and Central America. So he was arrested in Panama on February 14th, 1993, Valentine's Day. Yeah, at a yacht club. Uh, He had been living with a teenage girl. 
Bell's defense portrayed Larry as unstable and aggressive, and Bell claimed self-defense at the trial. Self-defense? He never, yep. With all the witnesses? I mean, yeah, nice try. Yeah. So he was convicted of murder on June 28th, 1993, sentenced to 70 years. Tried to appeal in 94, was denied. In 2013, became eligible for parole. I don't know why, but parole was denied. And then he passed away on April 20th, 2019. Oh, good. Yes. Good. Bell's possible connection to other murders emerged. In 1998, he confessed to seven murders. Article Did here. he really? In 1998, he sent letters to Harris and Galveston County prosecutors in which he confessed to killing seven young girls. For reasons unknown, the letters were kept secret until 2011 when they were discovered by retired Galveston homicide detective Fred Page. In July and September of 2011, Bell was interviewed by the Houston Chronicle. He told them that he was actually responsible for 11 murders, calling them the, quote, 11 that went to heaven. Some investigators claimed they long believed he was a serial killer and found evidence to corroborate his claims. However, Galveston prosecutors refused to present his written confessions to a grand jury. What? They claimed that they were unable to verify his confessions. Uh, Harris County prosecutors reportedly never investigated the claims and lost the letters from him. Bell claimed that his victims were from Houston, Galveston, Webster, and Dixon. Five murders occurred in 1971. Six more occurred from about 1974 to 1977. Wow. Six of them were murdered in pairs. He identified two of the 1971 victims as Debbie Ackerman and Maria Johnson, 15-year-old Galveston surfer girls who disappeared after hitchhiking. He claimed that he shot them and disposed of their bodies near a remote bridge. His confession matched details of the crime scene. They were last seen accepting a ride from a man driving a white van, which... Don't Bell happened to own on. one at that time. Like it, it's yeah. like a don't hitchhike ever. You don't need to. Don't now, hitchhike. But not don't, you don't yeah. get in a van ever, ever. And then a white van on t- that van better have a, the most beautiful painting of a wizard dragon on the side. Its little window in the side better be like a star or a moon. It better like a literally a square cloud of weed needs to come out of it when you open that van door. If it's not exactly like that, do not get in the van. Yeah. Nobody who smokes weed murders. Nope. It's too much work. Man, I would much rather eat stuff. Yeah. He also invested in a surf shop that those two young ladies were known to visit. Oh. He had a trailer near the bayou where their bodies were found. Another victim from 1971 was 13-year-old Colette Wilson, who vanished after leaving band camp. Bell identified another victim as Pitchford, who was later determined to be 16-year-old Kimberly Ray Pitchford. She vanished after taking a driver's ed class in Houston. Uh, Her body was found in 1973, January 1973. He claimed to not know the names of other victims. However, two are believed to be Rhonda Johnson and Sharon Shaw, who vanished from Galveston a few months before Debbie and Maria. Another man was convicted of their murders, but some investigators now believe he's innocent. All four girls hung out close to Bell's apartment. Two other victims are believed to be 14-year-old Georgia Gear, 12-year-old Brooks Bracewell. They were last seen in 1974. And found in 1976. 
The other three victims' identities have not been confirmed. However, one is speculated to be Brenda Jones, who vanished from Galveston in 1971. Another is believed to be Gloria Gonzalez, who vanished in 1971. Fuck, man. And this is fun. Bell claimed oh. that a, yeah, it gets better. Bell claimed that a quote unquote brainwashing program forced him to be a flasher, to rape girls, and to kill. He stated that it started with his father, but continued on with scoutmasters, a cousin, and his three ex wives. After his confessions, he told the Houston Chronicle reporter that he would provide proof to back up his claims only if he was given immunity from prosecution. Although some believe that he was a publicity-seeking kook, others are convinced that he was responsible for the murders. As a result of the discoveries made during the investigation, Galveston prosecutors reopened Debbie and Maria's cases. Bell was named the prime suspect. That's what they're referring to in the entries episode. However, no charges were ever filed against him in theirs or any other cases. There was no physical evidence found to link him to other crimes. And he was interviewed for the documentary The Eleven in 2017. He claimed to have made up his confessions in order to get the death penalty. However, after his death, many of the victim's relatives stated they believed he was responsible. I 100%. I, I believe that he definitely did everything he said he did. He's a disgusting person. I don't believe that he, because I think he was alluding to that he was somehow in Project Monarch. If you're not familiar with that, so they ended I'm MK not. they ended MK Ultra in 1966, and yeah. then a lot of people say after MK Ultra started Project Monarch. Project Monarch is where you where you get the beginnings of almost PizzaGate shit. So basically, kids were brought up and taught to be anywhere from sex slaves to sex assassins. You they were taught to use their bodies to get shit over on people or to get people comfortable. They were also taught to kill. And the reason it's called Monarch is because this is where you get like the sleeper agent bullshit where like I say banana program triangle snapshot. And yeah. then you're like, oh, and then I'm gonna fucking jack off on all these people and then shoot that guy. You know, I guess yeah. you know, so I don't believe that for a second. This sounds because he's like all three of my ex-wives. No, that sounds like you're just a crazy asshole <laughs> and you right. want to find a way to blame all these people, especially old Scoutmaster Tugs a bunch. You know what I mean? Like you have your reasons <laughs> yeah. to be mad at him, but he's not the reason you're killing people. All right. You need to yeah. go to fucking therapy. It's an excuse. Uh, um, you're a disgusting monster. And I'm glad that he's burning in a fake hell. Yeah. I wish hell existed for people like him. Yep. So yeah, that's the end of the episode. Oh, that's good. It. it always good. ends on a high note. Always. Well, look guys, your government's watching you. Mm-hmm. He's even watching me shit. Check in, watch by government. Uh, um, <laughs> and um, the there, if if you <laughs> the general's a psyop. Uh, <laughs> um, so look, if you think that you're not on some sort of watch list, the fact that you thought, "Am I on a watch list?" puts you on a watch list. If you think mm. anything that you've ever said or done online would put you on a watch list, it definitely did. You're stored away, some sort of data center. They've been doing it since the since the time they could listen to things. They've been listening to you and they're going to continue to do it. So just be careful out there. Be careful what you say. You know, if you're a dumbass right winger saying you're in Utah and Joe Biden is also in Utah and you say a bunch of foul shit about him, well, the FBI is going to fucking come to your house. And if you have yeah. guns on you, the FBI is going to 
fucking kill you. So don't be stupid. I know most of our listeners aren't going to be stupid. But even if you're just like us, we're just regular people. I say a lot of wacky shit, but definitely everything I just said would put me on a watch list tonight. And Stephanie... I mean, you're already on multiple, so... 100%. I've said some wild shit. Yeah. And And don't hitchhike. uh, Don't hitchhike. And don't get murdered. You know, the thing is, McConaughey, Jack, was his Jack? Was Jack the guy? Larry. I knew it had a that kind of, you know, it was one of those. It's either a... Yeah, a, yeah it was either yeah. a J or... A J is just a backwards L. A J is just a backwards... J is just a backwards L. That's had yeah. too much to drink. Hey, a J is just a backwards flat circle. Time. Time, time is a flat circle. Well, thanks for listening. Follow us on social media, ZSM Podcast, on everything. Join our Patreon. You can be a part of the live stream, which is super fun. And of course, if you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and give us five stars and give us a review. Well, we love you guys. Remember, t- tell five friends or Santa Claus will kick you in the dick. Yeah. He'll leave his dick in your stocking. That is not a fun. Oh, it's just like <laughs> you, you wake up to a text picture and it's just Santa like. <laughs> <laughs> and your toothbrush is in there too. Oh, God my damn it, God. Santa. 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 <sighs> Thanks for listening. We love you. Bye.